You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. Yeah, yeah, man, y'all, it's Wise P. You already know. Ism? Yeah, man, uh, shit, Bedroom Beethoven's, huh? Fly shit, I like that. But get the son of a project. Son of a... You know what I mean? Get that. That's fire, man. YSP Music, man. W-A-I-S-P Music.com. Keep doing your thing, brother. I am a bedroom Beethoven. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 116 of the podcast, independent hip-hop label Don't Sleep Records returns. My guest this week is... Yeah, this is Phonics, 30-year-old producer from uh, Portland, Maine, co-owner of Don't Sleep Records. One half of A1 and Phonics, uh, one half of Anti-Lily and Phonics. That's what it is. It's uh, A1, MC, one half of A1 and Phonics. Work with a lot of people, man. I don't want to start naming names because the list will go for a minute. So we just out here. Chilling. Happy to be here. Man, I've been around the block so long, repeat guests are trickling in. One of the first producers to come on my show, Phonic, swings by after two years to give me an update on his current outlook on life, his latest projects and more, while A1, someone I'm proud to call a friend as well, knows that he can hit me up anytime and he's got a spot on the show. Nothing less is the new project. It's out now. Go scoop it up. But before we get into the conversation, you got to support me too, folks. Appreciate everyone who tunes in week after week. You know my platform is here to share stories and boost creatives, and I'm no different. Think about becoming a Patreon. A few people have signed up in the last few weeks, and I appreciate that so much. Patreon.com slash Bedroom Beethoven's. Join the squad. There's some perks there, and you don't have to give up that much money. I know times are hard, and we're all in this together. YouTube channel is growing too, so check that out if that's your preferred medium. Clips and episodes are posted over there. And BedroomBetaOvens.com is the main hub. Everyone likes a guy with a podcast website. There's so few of us. This episode is a good one. Shout out to YSP, repping Brooklyn all day. This episode is all about the golden age, East Coast hip-hop. YSP, he's got that pimp-infused East Coast lyricism. Many different flavors. You know how it is. So let's get into the meat and potatoes. A1 Phonics. Don't sleep records, nothing less, baby. First things first is you've both you both individually have been on the show, and uh, Phonics, you came on at a time when this podcast was very new, and you decided to come on. Uh, it brought a lot of validation to the podcast because I was a big fan of you, and when I reached out to you, you told me you don't necessarily do a lot of interviews, so that was very big for me. So I did want to thank you. 
Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it's been cool. I think I was the fifth episode, right, or something like that. So it's been cool to watch uh, watch it grow. And I'm always like shocked now when I see the names you're getting every week. You're always bringing some of my favorite people on here. So I'm shocked too, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, A1, what's crazy is, so you've been on the show as well. And right before the the pandemic hit, uh, you and your wife talked about opening up a record store. And now it's like opening up a business seems like a death wish. But Phonics was thinking about opening up a restaurant. And I sit back and I see Phonics in the kitchen making dope food. A1's performing on stage (laughs) in the restaurant. You know, you come in, you eat an artisan flatbread pizza, you listen to live performances. And in the back is a record shop. Man, that that would be so crazy, but the pandemic has changed um the way I at least view business and opening businesses and whatnot. You know, I thank God that we didn't take a leap of faith and do something like that now, because imagine a, a business in its infancy, a brick and mortar, and then pandemic hits and you're closed, permanently closed at that point for most people. Yeah. Or in a um hell of a lot of debt. So you know, take it with a grain of salt, but doesn't mean that it can't happen in the future. It's a dope idea. Yeah, for real. For real. Someday. In Portland last month, they still had restaurant week. So either, you know, Governor Mills is either pretty confident or Portland cases are, are down or he's being reckless. I don't know. Did they? Nobody even told yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, you know, times change quick. I mean, last summer, if you wore a, uh, N95 or gloves while shopping, people looked at you like you were an alien, and now it's kind of the norm. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's um pretty wild. I kind of tapped out of um just the the news cycle. Was kind of obsessed with it, and um Same. it was bothering um you know just affecting my mental health. So I fell back a bit. To be quite honest, it, as long as we do what we've been doing and kind of stay to ourselves, we'd be all right. We don't need to digest so much of the information that's out there because all it does is bring it right back in front of your face. You know what I mean? So it's um it's tough, especially with a family and being limited, you know, to, to the um things that you could do. I try to avoid it at all costs and just focus on some positive things, you know? So, so Phonics, when, when A1 says that he is taking a brief hiatus from recording because the world got him down, you have to respect the decision like that, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, we've always kind of just worked at our own pace and uh, never tried to rush anything. When it comes, it comes. And when someone's feeling inspired, uh, that's when the best music happens. So there's no point in trying to rush it if uh, – if A wants to chill or if I want to chill. Yeah, I mean, between, you know, Jacob Blake and Trump and rioting and Breonna Taylor and all this, it's it's hard to focus on art and, and business. But this is also kind of where revolutionary music comes from. So it's kind of a fine line. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The greatest music, I think, comes from people wanting some sort of change or some sort of, um you know, message that needs to be put out there. You know, you look at um, the 70s and, um, you know, the music that was coming out in the early 70s and the late 60s that reflects civil rights. Then you fast forward to hip hop, especially during the um, 80s, late 80s, where they got really conscious. Generational change comes through the art. You know what I mean? Like people just present something to the world and it makes a difference or it falls on deaf ears. But I, I tend to believe that the art does make a difference and impacts people more than the politics. 
at, at the height of your frustration, were you serious when you said you wanted to start carrying a concealed weapon? <laughs> you know what? I was. That's not really even my style, but it just was like so crazy to see so much happen in the people that left their house thinking that they were going to come home and then they don't make it home. We are all bred as soldiers, street war stories, they were molders, profile pics, RIPs on white tees, still marching Black Lives Matter, when 12 comes through it's like another dawn splatters, sirens to me resemble colors of the flag, built on the backs of my people from the past, Brent Hyatt, enough's enough, enough's enough, cops think I'm selling rocks, selling jails, back, the streets so it's kind of wild, you know, when you think about leave, waking up, leaving your house, going to the store, or um, taking a walk, you know, taking a jog, you know, in the case of Amar Aubrey, and just not coming home. That's kind of crazy. So you you begin to think of any ways and means to protect you um, yourself. But then, you know, the caveat to that is the consequences. If you do have to use that weapon, what, what's gonna happen? Obviously, jail first, and then they'll sort it out later. Well, at the conclusion of this murder trial that's going on right now, if, when we get a verdict, do you feel like any progress is going to be made, like long term? No, um, I, I, I don't believe that any progress can be made at all because so much damage has been done already. You know what I'm saying? When you look at the government itself, um, you know, the country's unraveling because of systemic racism and the fact that people spent so much time with ways to oppress people from a, um, with a systematic approach, you know what I mean? Okay, you're going to build housing projects in the 60s, then you're not going to fund them, and they're going to become dilapidated. You know, housing projects are socioeconomic segregation. And if you don't continue to fund the project that you ran with, then it's going to become a problem. So for so many years, the government has created problems, and, you know, now is this rush for all of these solutions. As opposed to they could have took the approach of let's not build all these prisons. Let's let's invest in our infrastructure. Now they're talking about an infrastructure bill. But you was building prisons 100 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like so the government on on, on both sides has to really answer to the to the things that that's in front of us. You know, like immigration is a problem through Iran-Contra. You know what I'm saying? You destroy Central America and South America with the cocaine trade and our appetite for cocaine in America. So, like, I feel like the chickens have come home to roost to all of the problems that were kind of swept under the rug and all of the dirt that was thrown in the closet. Now there's nowhere to put all of this dirt and nowhere to sort all of these problems. And we really have to clean up and nobody, the task is so overwhelming that nobody's willing to take responsibility or accountability for for the task at hand. You're also seeing cops declaring war on black people. You have to have a realization that this country is never going to be the same as well. Uh, yeah, it's been crazy, man. I mean, I just it's hard to say what the solution is going to be. It seems like like both sides are so far apart that it's like there's no compromise in sight. And I've just been unplugged because it gets like exhausting to you know, follow the news every day and see the shit that's happening all over the country. So I've been pretty unplugged lately. I, I think I can understand that. I think, A1, when you were a, a young boy, young man, you you moved 
from New York to Virginia and you got away from the racism and the drugs and the family legal problems and it shaped you so you could flourish as an artist. But also on the flip side, you know, Big Daddy Kane, Master Ace, KRS-One, Chub Rock, they didn't have that same luxury, but it also shaped them too. So maybe those experiences, I mean, you would have been great either way. All human beings have a unique experience in life, you know, and that's just speaking from experience. I lived, been through a lot, you know, raising a family and everybody's path is different. You're born alone, you're going to die alone. And all of that stuff that happens in between is unique to that individual. So I think that no matter what, you know, circumstances I was in, I was going to be determined to do what I'm doing right now, which is MC you know, have a label, put out music and do it on the terms that we wanted to do it on. That's 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 the whole destiny. That's why we here. You know, everything we manifest through music and through art, it becomes our life. This has been like really quite a year. Phonics and I just realized the last time that we talked, I think a one last time you came on, it was 2019. And pandemic aside, since we last chatted, I mean, Phonics, you came out with a beer collaboration. You got married. You started a Netflix doc. A1, you've been busy with Jazz Cat, your family. I'm sure this pandemic has made you lose respect for family members. You've realized people's true <laughs> colors. Maybe stronger bonds have been made. But this year has definitely tested you both. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, the year was extremely difficult. The way it began, you know, in 2020, the way 2020 ended and the way 2021 has begun, it's it's been very challenging. But on the real, I feel like light is at the end of the tunnel and normalcy is going to happen again. The issue at hand is the remainder of the world, the rest of the world. Is the rest of the world going to be able to come back from all of this? You know, thinking about countries that are not so blessed, that don't have the infrastructure or the resources we have here in America. Will they be able to, will they be able to come back? And is that going to hold us back from, you know, full steam traveling and doing the things that we uh, would be accustomed to doing um, in the normal time? So it's still it, it's, it feels good. But in the back of my mind, I still wonder how far are we really away from um, regular life. Eating crepes in Paris. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and croissants and espressos, you know, like I miss all of that. Well, in, in terms of growth, though, I, I believe last time we talked, I believe you said the type of person you are is go, go, go. And phonics usually has to be the one to tell you to slow down and have patience and take time to let the process work itself out. And 90, 99 times out of 100, you say he's right. And it took your entire adult life to finally trust your process. And that must have been a heavy thing to realize about yourself and fix. It, it, it really is. You know, I look at phonics and see how he's grown and flourished and all of the things he, you know, He's naturally like low key and that works. That makes more sense. And, you know, I got to take some of my own advice, like make it easy on myself. You know what I mean? You don't have to keep up with no one. You know, we on our own clock, on our own schedule. And I realized that it takes like a year or even more sometimes for people to catch up with our creative process. That is no sense in flooding, you know, the airwaves and flooding people with art let let people enjoy what we've already built we've done a lot in the past what has been like eight years we've done a whole lot you know in eight years that uh a lot of people will want to switch places with us you know for what we've been able to do on our terms I, I i tend to like lean towards more towards his advice and the way he moves 
than the way that I used to move. You know, at the end of the day, I could care less about rap. You know, hip hop is 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 who we are. It's our way of life. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, I, I would say you guys have a pretty aggressive release schedule. I think since in the past year or two, we started figuring out that we can uh, go back and repress our old projects. So it seems like we're coming out with more than we are. Like in terms of physical merchandise, we 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 are putting out a, a pretty aggressive release schedule. In terms of new original projects, I mean, we probably average in like two a year. Uh, I think last time I was on here, I was talking about getting up to four projects a year. But now that uh, now that we've gotten into doing the reissues and uh, getting more into doing merch and all that, I think we don't have to be as aggressively trying to write new music all the time. Yeah, I bought two represses from you guys this year. The Down to Earth came out. Appreciate it. Like, I, I'm, I'm a weirdo. I, I don't like black vinyl. I, I like the variants. I'm just, I'm I a weirdo agree. like that, I'll admit it. So when you came out with the Down to Earth variant, I, I scooped that up. And then Anti-Lily came out with uh, the Rat Van Winkle variant that one was so dope. on Orange. And I scooped that up, even though shipping to America is a bitch. I still scooped that up because I had it on black. So I sold the black and rebought the variant. Nice. So, man, I'm, I'm all yeah, in. Yeah, I so. think uh, going forward, we're definitely going to do more more crazy colors and splatters and all that. Like uh, we got like a like a three color with a splatter for not, nothing less. We want to do more just wild style stuff like that. The, the purists are going to say that the black sounds better, but I don't I've, – I've done – a B testing, I don't hear it. I don't either, man. I think uh, the audio files, I don't know, a, a little, a little crazy a little sometimes. <laughs> I mean, ninety percent of the music we listen to is through Spotify, anyways, which is uh, definitely not the highest quality audio, and nobody notices. So. Well, as a, as a as a creative, I, we're both graphic designers. So I think you can kind of relate to this question. I don't mean any malice by it, but because yeah. marketing and aesthetics is important to you. That Netflix doc, did For you sure. have any reservations having a 19-year-old university dropout to direct and tell your story? Like, how did you know that was going to work? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just because it wasn't like there was people lining up to tell our story, you know? So it was like, wow, this kid is so passionate and, yeah, he was just so into the project that it, I, I think as soon as we saw the first five-minute clip that he edited together, we were like, all right, we trust this guy. And Master Ace got emotional watching the doc was that the catalyst for him to work with you that that opened up the floodgates of communication yeah he tweeted about the doc which was the coolest shit in the world for me that's like my growing up my favorite rapper uh he tweeted that he loved the doc just out of nowhere and then i think i dm'd him and thanked him and he followed me back and then that kind of like opened up the uh you know the communication between us and then i hit him up about the verse for the album this i would be in this everlasting Prodigy said, you all alone in these streets, cousin. You got a family at home, you need to keep loving. Put your head down and keep plugging. But you still ain't gonna ever get hot like a cheap oven. You breaking down like a Sears appliance. I'm never caving, I be bathing in the tears of giants. What you witnessing is real defiance. And I don't really care what y'all serve. I just feel the <laughs> Another documentary uh, is called Hip Hop Uncovered. And it, I don't, have you guys seen that or heard of it? Yes, I, I checked the, um, some of the uh, episodes out. Uh, pretty, pretty dope. Um, what is it like a six part series? It opened my eyes up to Haitian Jack, who on the surface, he looks nice, but apparently he was a rough dude. And he ran with Kenneth Supreme McGriff and Supreme Magnetic, who was a friend of your father, A1. 
So you 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 could have touched that life really easy. Those were some real gangster e money bags, Black Just, Mano. I mean, we could have very easily added a one to the list. Of, I mean, those are some killers. Absolutely. Um, and you know that's why you steer clear that life. It, it it's as crazy as it sounds. You know, people see the the docs and and hear the stories and. They check out Vlad and, you know, see these interviews, but that's the sensationalized side of things. You know, it's a lot of jail time and in some cases, lives lost in that life. I take it all with a grain of salt. Like, it could have been, you know, but I'm glad that I'm here and family man raising my kids and alive and well and having, um, you know, touched the confines of a federal prison you know, in my life. So that's, that's the thing that, um, you know, makes me happy. Cause I know a lot of, a lot of brothers are away for the rest of their lives. Even if they lived the whole time, they wouldn't outlive their sentence. Could you imagine that having a sentence so long, there's no way to get out when you're alive. It's crazy. You know, my uncle did like 22 years in prison. And I remember when he came home, like cell phones, using them, the way that they look now compared to the way they look when he went in and just forget about the internet. Like it was just a lot of things that he had to get used to, you know what I mean? Cause, cause it was so much time away. It was very, very difficult and challenging, but I'm happy to say he's doing extremely well right now. Um, better than, better than people that never did time at all. <laughs> in fact, so um, shout out to my uncle Bar. He's doing amazing. I don't, mean the keep talking about more uh doom and gloom but i I did want to talk about the mc doom because coincidentally a1 you you have been heralding the work of of doom for a long long time because to you he was your favorite mc because he he gives you every era of hip-hop you know he's he's been through um oh and, and phonics he was the he was the producer that influenced your sound the most so we have one figure who has inspired an mc and a producer alike and i think that's a very hard thing to do I think that was the hardest pill to swallow of the year. It, it, it heartbroken, really, because he was so dope and had so much to offer. And there's a whole generation of artists that can thank him for their careers and their sensibilities. Um, you know, for me, including staying independent, Doom wasn't on flashy labels with big advances or none of that. He kind of moved and hopped around in different labels and kind of did what he wanted to do. And Everybody accepted it. It makes you rethink the way you put out music. It makes you rethink art. It makes you rethink emceeing from the perspective of uh, Doom's um, style and his choice of sampling and just esoteric way he approached things, and, and including sampling, you know, from uh, uh, the, I guess you could say the DJ side, like thinking like a DJ as opposed to, you know, a beat maker. He thought like a DJ with the blends and all of that, like taking a hard arm, I mean, hard hip hop drum pattern and then pairing it with this like smooth R&B loop. And hearing him explain why, like I was listening to a podcast and he explained why he was like, yeah, because, you know, the girls want to dance, but, you know, the, 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 the guys, they want something hard to bop to, you know, so I got to have both of them, you know what I'm saying? I was like, damn, that's so smart. You know, <laughs> it's so slick. And then you think about mm, food and the way that that album was put together, even Operation Doomsday and some of his choices, samples, and then the breaks that he used. And it's like, 
ah, ding, 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 it makes sense. Definitely. I remember A1 and I, I think we called each other the night it happened and we were like, it's so crazy because it just speaks to how great he was because he's your biggest influence at your craft and my biggest influence at my craft and we both do separate things. So that just speaks to how great he was as an overall artist that <clears throat> he could be so influential to so many people. And how old was Doom when he when he passed? He was in his late 40s, right? 49, 49 to be exact. 49. Yeah. 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 So you know, if you grew up in the golden age of hip hop, you know, hey, one, why did you think that you could possibly be too old to rap when you met Phonics? Because I remember you telling me you felt that way. And when you see Primo at age 60 killing the game, Doom's in his late 40s, you know, is it different for an MC, you think, because you're the face of the music and you're the one going from one stage to the other, hyping the crowd? Or what do you think? You know, now I, I, I see everybody that's really killing it is my age you know might be a little younger might be a little older but the older dudes are, are the ones who really holding it down and um you know for me that says that that makes me feel so great you know about hip-hop is the fact that now we're finally allowed to age um gracefully we just saw we i was just talking to phonics today about the Ghostface and raekwon versus had to be the best verses that I've seen thus far. It was amazing. And it just lets you know how dope they are. And I believe they're both grandfathers. So to see guys that someone calls grandpa or pop pop or whatever, kill mics and break mics like that, it just warmed my heart. It was one of the best things that I've ever seen. And um, they haven't missed the beat. They sharp as a tack, you know, and um, I salute them and tip my hats off to them. But, you know, my perspective definitely has evolved. I mean, shouts out to Master Ace, you know, still killing it. Yeah, not to mention. So when Master Ace dropped his debut album, Take a Look Around, Phonics wasn't even alive yet. (laughs) (laughs) So that's pretty awesome. So, I, you know, so when you when you come out with like nothing less, how hard would it be? to get Big Daddy Kane or Rakim or Cool G Rap. They're legends, but I, I can't imagine their day cards are filled up. So was that a conversation for, for when you were crafting Nothing Less? It wasn't, but it, I think it will be going forward. We, we were definitely talking about that. We were like, well, who else could we get? Let's try and get Method Man or some shit like that. Like, let's 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 try and punch up another level. So right, we'll right, see. right. Was it, is, it, is it disappointing when you, like, you share the stage with Odyssey overseas and then when you reach out to them, and you don't necessarily hear a response that you would want to hear thinking like, hey, you know, we we broke bread on stage. We 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 created experiences together. But I guess you win some and you lose some, you know. I've never performed with Odyssey. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I know A1's been on stage. I, oh, yeah. I did, but that was actually in the States. That was in um, Richmond. I remember that show. I'll never forget that show. That was the actually the last show that I did with my crew on um, the Soul Students. And I want to say that was in 2008. It was like the the going away uh, show for my homeboy Al Bums. So shouts out to Al Bums. But I remember that day in my mind. And, um, you know, it was a good day, but a sad day as well. Because, you know, everybody was moving away, graduating college, starting a family. So it was depressing for me being like so head first in music. And I had my first album coming out, Beautiful Loser. And everybody else was like, all right, hey, you go ahead. We we gonna do something else. So that was that was hard for me to accept. And um I was down for a minute for a long time. And um some good things had happened along the way. 
And, um, you know, five years later, I met Phonics and it rekindled my um, love for this thing. And, and, you know, it hasn't stopped since. It's been like we was just saying, it's been eight years and we've been going crazy ever since. Did you, did you ever solve the case of the missing hard drive back in those days? Nope. Still no idea who took that hard drive to this day. There's the, the mystery was a Air Force One print on the door. And the missing hard drive with nothing else disturbed. So, I mean, you put two and two together, an Air Force One, nothing else disturbed but a hard drive. It had to be a disgruntled rapper. <laughs> I mean, definitely, definitely a black Air Force One. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So that was that, man. Um, you know, and we never figured that out. I wish we did because I had some gems up there, you know. The first album was only the demos. There was other music that was recorded that never see the light of day. And because of the way that we were recording, like jam, like almost like a band doing jam sessions, we have these sessions where, you know, I might write a rhyme on the spot and record right then and there. Everybody's in the crib and the rhyme was on paper at that time. So I don't remember that, that shit at all. You know what I mean? And then the song is gone and, you know, we have really no reference and we looking for CDs and there are all these blank CDRs and you trying to figure out where is the MP, you know, where's the, the mix down or whatever. It, it, it's, it's still hard to, to go through that now because some of my best work was on that hard drive and nobody will never hear it. The, the sad part is the person who took it, I would have probably been close to because they were recording with us. You know, they wasn't coming to the crib. So that's also a hard pill to swallow. Like after all these years, nobody fess up to taking a hard drive. But it's water under the bridge. We did all right by ourselves without, you know, the hard drive. So I, I'm not too mad. It all played out the way it was supposed to, I guess. Well, back in those days, like I, I was wondering, like, why isn't there not more of you behind the boards? Because I remember you sharing production duties with J.R. Swift and Richard and more of your earlier work. And now that you have Phonics, who I'm sure you could learn a lot from, you know, Phonics, if he came up to you and said, hey, can I get one beat on this? Let's work together and make that happen. I'm sure you'd allow it. Has there, has A1, there- had some, A1 had some beats on, uh, he had some interlude joints on a, on a couple of our projects, I think. <clears throat> A1 produced an interlude on uh, Return of the Golden Era. He produced some interludes on Matt Black's Soul. So, yeah, he's lo- got some low-key uh, production credits. Yeah, but when you- Man, you need to be front and center with that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Yo, but when you... When, when you got- <laughs> Hidden in the yeah, liner when notes. When you got phonics, though, man, it's like, why, why bother? I mean, you know, um, <laughs> me and Tiff was actually talking last night, and, you know, she had mentioned, like, yo, phonics' production is so well constructed and well put together. That's what makes it easy on the ears. You know, his his knowledge of music in, in, in general, just, you know, whether it's adding the baseline or doing research and, and watching tutorials and figuring out how to do something, he just knows how to put it together. And it, and it makes so much sense that, you know, people just fall in love with, with, with his style. And, um, I don't know a lot of producers, at least his age, that are that into the sound and care that much about the music. A lot of people make music, but a lot of people don't give a damn about the music. He actually cares about the music, and I appreciate that because I care about the music. I'm a super fan of music, 
of all genres. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have an idea for your for your next record. Like A one, your grandmother was a gospel singer, right? Absolutely. Yeah, my grandmother Nuzella. Mm, I didn't even know that. It, was there any luck getting that recording? No, because my aunt who had it passed away, and her daughters would have her collection and. It's in the storage, and if you know about Hampton Roads, it's a lot of water here. So um, the storage got flooded. That had the vinyl in there, I believe. So I would have to go through and look through, you know, moldy records. They didn't get rid of anything, but I just, I'd rather just know that it was there than to just look through it and not find it and waste all that time trying to find it and be upset, you know, when I can't lay hands on it. So. I just let things be. Were all all the copies all the copies were in one basement, or is there some floating around? No, nah, I don't. I think it was just that one copy. I mean, this was just a small one-off pressing. Um, I don't even know the name of the group or who she was singing with at the time. Oh shit! Yeah, so it's it's real hard. You talking about something that was done like in the sixties, you know? And um, gospel records, especially like um, you know. Uh, what, what what do we call them? Um, you know, private presses like yeah, white label. It's really yeah, white label private presses. It's really hard to find that type of stuff, man. And um, I think that that's why you know you hear of like these gospel records that are amazing. Um, another thing I see people going back to look for with samples are high school bands. You know, sampling yeah. like yeah, like high school bands and stuff like that because. It's those were like white labels and um private presses, so it's hard to track down, you know, who made it, who owns it, or whatever. You know, it's just those once in the blue chances where you get a company like Ubiquity or now and again that will reintroduce something um to people, even Numero Group, you know, they reintroduce a um record like that that they found and because they happen to dig all of the time and they got dealers, you know what I mean? So they have more access to understanding things that, you know, regular customers won't have access to. So I appreciate all of the, the, the dusty finger cats. You know, I know a few of them, like my man, Napoleon G shouts out to him. Um, shouts out the ologist with that crazy Brazilian funk collection, man. You know, um, I was going to say, if anyone could find that gospel joint, that'd be ologist. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to ask ologist and Napoleon about it, you know. Because uh, they both they both might can put their hands on something. Thanks for that idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking, you know, if, if Phonic samples some of your from music from your relatives produced sixty years ago, I mean, talk about soulful hip hop. It doesn't get more authentic than that. Yo, that and is- they probably won't sue us. <laughs> absolutely, <Yeah. laughs> free sample. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that's royalty free. Yeah, that'll actually be really dope, man. Thank you. I'm gonna look into trying to hunt that down now, man. You. You rekindled that fire for me. There you go, man. I, I guess I'll just give you guys the floor to tell anyone about Nothing Less, um, you know, where they can get it. Anything you want to tell them, I'm going to give you guys the floor. All right. Um, you know, we wrote Nothing Less uh, over the um, course of the pandemic. It's just about what was going on at that time. It was like a, a summary of the year. You know, if 2020 was an album, Nothing Less would be 2020. Um, and each song just reflects what people were going through, you know, 
from songs like Everlasting Game, thinking about mortality, what you leave behind and legacy, all the way down to fatherhood, you know, being at home with my kids, thinking about them. It was the right time to release that record, you know, since it was the, the pandemic and everybody can relate being at home, appreciating your kids more. So every record, you know, meant something. The Cool Out with Kid Abstract um, talking about mental health. You know, I lost my aunt Wanda again. 2020 was was crazy. And she struggled with mental health issues through her life. Um, she happened to pass away too young. And I shouted her out on the beginning of that record because um, mental illness is something that I know very well throughout my family. I understand it. So I wanted to bring it to the forefront because it's not talked about a lot and everybody can relate to things of mental illness. And then like the record, like when, you know, uh, just about um, civil rights and social injustice and just, you know, I just tried to keep it real as possible. A lot of cats out here talking like boys and I just wanted to talk like a man because that's what I am. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, Phonics gave me the right canvas for all of that. Today, more than at any time any of us can remember, is a time for truth. Some of what you see and hear will make you angry. But if it does no more than make you angry, we will have failed in our purpose. He, he just, everything he threw at me, even if he switched the beat later, it just really made sense, you know, um, at the time. And, like, just crazy. It's not that there's silence for black on black violence. The movement ain't all inclusive or exclusive. The one issue when bullets flying pierce melanated tissue. The stats don't now ain't official. I was born in segregation due to socioeconomic situations. Free cheese was the government's form of stimulation. Cointel Pro running war simulations with no limitations. Sworn 12 years after Martin was slaughtered by the Knights of Templar and Confederate daughters. Harriet told children to wade in the water. At least put our picture on the currency that bought us for cheap in these streets as I weep from the trauma A no-knock once and the murder of Brianna How a man and me like me took my honor with handcuffs and a gun in my face like a monster If it does not impress you with the absolute urgency of relieving that desperation Then we will not have communicated what black America is trying to tell white America Like, quick story, he said everlasting game the um, joint for it and that afternoon, and like in an hour or two later, I sent them back a verse. I I did it at the kitchen table. Kids was making noise and everything, but I was that inspired. Then I went back and re-recorded it like later that night, and that's how that joint came about. Yeah, yeah. So you know, every every joint on there just came from the heart, and um, I tried to be as authentic and honest as I possibly could. How how is it with that beat change, uh, Phonics? You told me that um. You changed the beat for an anti Lily track, and he didn't even know it until it actually came out on his record. And you, and you're like, whoops. <laughs> I don't remember that. I feel bad. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I, at this point, I just kind of have my process with every record where we make we make all the songs, and then whatever I feel like is the weakest beat, I just keep changing it out till I feel like it's the my favorite beat on the album. So I kind of like bring the tracks that are at like the bottom of the track list for me to the top of the track list and then keep trying to do that until I'm satisfied with everything. So usually I end up changing like a third of the beats or something like that. Dope, man. So when you guys started this journey, you guys had no expectation. Um, A1 and Phonics, now you're 
you're you're married, middle aged guys, and you want a billion, nothing less. So treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. So as you as you start collaborating with people you look up to, as you no doubt had the hardest years of your life, uh, Phonics, you created some of the best beats of your life. And I truly think this is still the tip of the iceberg for you guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, in terms of A1, I think you're going to have generational wealth for your children. Phonics, you and your wife are going to carve out a great life as you ride through your 30s. And the music that you give us and reward our ears with will give back to you guys tenfold. So just keep doing what you do. And that's all I got to say about that. Yo, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, I love watching uh, the podcast take off. I uh, appreciate you giving us this platform again. It's a bigger platform than the last time we were on here. So yeah, man. proud of you. Thank you, man. And the, A1, I appreciate your time. Uh, the Quarantine Tape by Phonics is up, as well as his other work at phonicsbeats.com. The new album, Nothing Less, is on A1 and or A1 and phonics.com. Vinyl edition of 500 is going quick, I assume. And of course, it's available on all streaming platforms and of course don't sleep records.com um it's summer's coming but the hoodies are still fresh you know still buy yeah we got a bunch of new merch we got a bunch of new merch coming soon we just met with a clothing company last week about doing like a whole line of merch for the summer so look out for uh, don't sleep records.com for that all right Yay. fellas if uh if there's nothing left um Anything else, A1, you want to say? I know Jazz Cat's uh, competing for attention here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's getting loud uh, and boisterous. <laughs> but I just wanted to say thank you, man. We, we sincerely appreciate it. And it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you. And much success to the podcast and all your future endeavors, man. Appreciate that, man. Thank you, guys. Peace.